excited to share with you this very special episode today. This is the best of season three, part two. Now, if you haven't listened to the part one, uh, best of season, go back and listen to the best of season part one, and then come listen to this episode, the best of season three, part two. It's crazy to, to think that I'm already closing out season three and we're entering in season four. We have a lot of hot guests coming on, a lot of great topics, a lot of hot topics, and I cannot wait to go into season four. And thank you guys so much for the support. Now, this episode, we're going to go through some more of the highlights uh, from season three, some amazing takeaways. And I'd like to encourage you if there is a, uh, an episode that you liked, make sure you go back and, and listen to that episode and soak it all in. Um, so let's just dive right into it. My first guest that I want to highlight on season three, part two is Rich Devinney. Now, Rich spent more than 20 years as a Navy SEAL and leader, including 13 overseas deployments. Uh, he's the author of the book, The Attributes, 25 Hidden Drivers of Optimal Performance. He retired in 2017, and since then, he has worked as a speaker, a facilitator, a consultant, and more. Um, he recently joined me for an incredible conversation about attributes that can change your life. Here's a portion of the conversation where we discuss the power of harnessing fear. So when someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, conserve the energy, conserve the energy, but how does one find the courage and how do they suppress the fear? Like for the example of like mm -hmm. the fear of failure, unknown rejection, um, you know, when coming up to a solution or evaluating a problem, how, yeah. how do you how do you work on that? Well, a couple of things we have to understand about fear, and it's another. This is why Andrew and I gelled so much. We kind of geeked out on this. Um, fear is a combination of two things. All right, fear is a combination of uncertainty plus anxiety. Okay, in other words, you can have either one of those, but you don't have fear. So you can be um, you can be anxious but not uncertain. That's like okay, I'm going to give a presentation next week to my to my colleagues. Okay. I'm a little anxious about it, a little nervous, but you know, it's my colleagues. I know what's it's, it's, there's prediction, predictability there. So that's anxious without uncertainty. You can be uncertain without being anxious. Okay. Well, that's every kid on Christmas Eve. All right. Uncertain and no anxiety. When you combine the two fear sets in, that's when our amygdala starts to get tickled and our autonomic arousal goes up our threat detector goes up. And one of the things you have to understand is as our autonomic arousal goes up, and the amygdala is getting tick, uh, tickled, we're, we're given, we're presented with two choices, okay? We all know these choices. They're either fight or flight, okay? Now, some, we've, we've, we've seen some literature back, you know, a, a while ago that added freeze into that mix, but freeze neurologically is really just an oscillation between the two. It's a decision mm. point. Interesting. But if you're going to fight or flight, okay, that's a, that's a specific circuit in the brain. There's a circuit that gets flipped if you flee. There's a circuit that gets flipped if you, if you fight, Okay. When we choose to step into our fear mm -hmm. and that circuit is flipped, that is the courage circuit, okay? And what happens when, that, when we do that is we get a dopamine reward for it, right? And again, dopamine, again, most people have heard about dopamine as a pleasure chemical. Dopamine is not a pleasure chemical. It's a neuromodulator that's a uh, really more of a motivation chemical. It tells us this is good, keep doing this, right? But think about that. When we step into our fear, we get a, we get a burst of this saying, this is good, keep doing this, okay? So fear 
is not necessarily a bad thing. Fear actually gets us moving. It gets us out exploring. It gets us looking at different things, right? Now, all this says, uh, said, I want to make sure I hit the, the base of your question. If someone starts to get autonomically aroused where they are, it, it starts to be difficult for them to do anything. Again, this, is, this makes sense because as our autonomic arousal goes up, and this happens, we start getting that amygdala, uh, that amygdala um, gets more and more tickled. We start to approach amygdala hijack. Our conscious mind begins to go take a back seat. And if we hit amygdala hijack, then we're acting without thinking. Okay, that's not good for any fear-based situation. So to get our conscious mind back into the, into the mix, we have to bring our autonomic arousal down. You can actually do that by doing some physiological things, breathing some breathing techniques, some, some visual techniques, a couple easy visual techniques. There's something called open gaze. When we're, when we're in a fear state or autonomically aroused, our, our, our pupils will get focused in. And we could call it tunnel vision. We focus in on the threat, okay? So we'll get dialed in on the threat. They've found that if we deliberately go open gaze, open gaze is if you could just imagine staring, staring out in front of you and you're not even staring at what you're looking at. You're actually just noticing all your peripheries, right? Open gaze, panoramic vision that has been proven to start bringing you down off of autonomic arousal. So panoramic vision is a really good one because you can do it anywhere. And I used to do this because I did not like public speaking at all when I got out of the Navy. And I said to myself, well, since I don't like this and since I'm afraid of it, I should probably do it. So I started doing it. And what I do is I get on the stage sometimes and I just so start going, oh, panoramic vision, start bringing my autonomic arousal down. Um, so that's one way visually. There's breathing techniques. We can do uh, you know, CO2 blowout breathing. People may have heard of box breathing. Box breathing is uh, is a is a form of breathing where you're you're inhaling for a certain period of time, say four seconds. You're holding on top for four seconds. You're exhaling for four seconds, and then you're holding on the bottom for four seconds. That's called box breathing. That, I was just doing that. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> and you know what? You know what you can do. What that's wonderful for maintaining your autonomic uh, arousal state. So, in other words, you can be right at the state you want. You're you're aroused the way you need to be aroused. You don't need to calm down. You don't need to go up. Box breathing allows you to maintain that. It uh, it's, it creates equilibrium there. If you want to decrease your arousal, then you just change that breathing pattern. You say, okay, I'm going to inhale for four. I'm going to hold for four. Now I'm going to blow out for eight, and I'm going to hold on the bottom for eight. That's CO2 blowout breathing. What you don't a lot of us don't recognize is a lot of stress happens in our body when we have CO2 buildup, okay? This, by the way, is why we feel the urge to breathe when we hold our breath underwater or something. We feel like it's because we need oxygen, but in fact, it's because there's CO2 building up in our system. This is how you, this is how seals and certainly the, the free divers can get, can hold their breath for so long, right? Because you know you can move past that discomfort because you have enough oxygen in your system. You don't want to do it too much, and I don't recommend people try this because you could pass nobody, out. But nobody I, yeah. try this unless <laughs> you're supervised. This. Yeah, unless you're supervised. But uh, but but the idea is our body gets agitated with CO2 buildup. So yeah. one of the ways we can come off autonomic arousal is to this CO2 uh, CO2 blowout breathing. So that's another way we can do it with breath. But but that brings our autonomic arousal down, brings our frontal lobe back online, allows us to now start asking better questions and making some decisions and being logical about how we want to address the. The, the stress challenge and uncertainty in our mind. So a long answer, but you know, hopefully that, that covers some stuff. No, it was, it was good. Up next, I have Dana Lynn Bailey. She is a champion fitness and figure competitor, a highly regarded athlete, a trainer, and the entrepreneur behind the DLB Daily app. After her time as an NCAA soccer star, Dana went on to a career in fitness and lifting, becoming an IFBB 
International Federation of Bodybuilding and Fitness Pro in 2011. Since then, she has gone on with numerous competitions and even competed in American Ninja Warrior in 2015. We talk about fitness, life, entrepreneurship, and a lot more. Here is such a beautiful conversation of resilience, staying true to who you are, and never, ever allowing the world to shape and mold you, but you mold yourself. Uh, here is Dana Lynn Bailey's clip. The mindset of, of the message that I wanted to put out for women or people who had any insecurities that like, we all, we all have insecurities, right? I mean, you just talked about how you had insecurities and you worked through that. And, um, and I think that a lot of people are intimidated to just to start or they're intimidated because they don't think that they are worthy of having uh, a strong physique or a beautiful, well-built physique. And, uh, I mean, you are, you are a testament to like, it doesn't matter how you feel about yourself in the beginning, you can literally transform your body and the insecurities that you feel, it's probably because of the outside peer pressures and the standards of the world making us feel like that we're inadequate. Yeah. Well, there was a point in time, I always tell people, it's like, you can look exactly how you want to look with diet, with exercise. I mean, fuck, if you want to go get surgery, go get surgeries, whatever. Look how you want. But if you don't want to take that next step, which I never wanted to, you have to learn how to accept the things that you can't change. And like, once you start accepting those parts, those are the parts that make you you. Those are the parts that make you unique. And I finally like figured that out. And I realized like, okay, these parts make me different from everyone else. And I started to actually like that. And that's why like something like my chest and I, I never, I have no issues with like, I think people like you should be happy with yourself regardless, like whatever you want to do, you should fucking do it. But it's never something I wanted to do. <laughs> my thing was like, I don't know how that is with benching, <laughs> but, but something that was so like I dealt with for so long is now something I'm really proud of. Mm -hmm. And I think it's what a lot of people respected with me, like in the industry, like I would go to, I used to lose shows. It would be, be between me and another person and they would give it to the other person because I didn't have boobs and like that. And I had to deal with that because I got, I used to get marked down for being more masculine. It's like, Hey, we're doing a side chest. I'm the only one that has a chest. Like, why are you having us do a side chest? So, but I find it very like empowering to finally take something that I used to hate. And now it's like my thing I'm most proud of. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a lot of self-talk. Um, uh, and it wasn't just me, like obviously having Rob with me, pretty much the entire step of the way. Like I, I remember the first time I asked, I was like, well, cause like, uh, I was competing in figure at the time and I wanted to do something in fitness. And at that point in time, the only way to do something in fitness and be in magazines is like, you had to do well at shows and like, that's how you get sponsorship. So I'm here. I am getting dead last because I have too many muscles and I'm too big and I don't have boobs. 
I finally was like, so do I go get boobs? He was like, do you want them? I'm like, eh? <laughs> like, and I, as soon as you start making decisions based on someone else's opinion, mm-hmm. you've just lost yourself. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm thankful that I have a good head on my shoulders and I have a husband that no matter what, during that time, he just like, I love you for exactly who you are. Mm. That's not going to make me love you anymore. Like, I like what you look like and Mm -hmm. just telling me I'm pretty just the way I am. And sometimes you just need to hear that once in a while. Mm -hmm. And I I mean, I still need to hear that once in a while because it's not something once you get confidence that you keep for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. It's a constant, like you have to work with yourself throughout your entire life. Things happen and you know, social media is one of those things where you're on there, you're looking at all these perfect bodies and all these fucking filters and like, and no one looks like that. And Mm -hmm. you just, you just have to kind of just go with work on yourself, whatever you can do. And then the parts of you that you cannot change, you just need to learn to accept them for like, that's me. That's, that's who I am. I I love all that, Dana. I think that's so powerful what you said. Um, that the moment that you allow somebody else's opinion change who you are, like you've completely lost yourself. And that is exactly. that is so true. And I think that if anybody gets anything from this podcast, those words and what she said, like hang on to that because that is so true. And and I, I think it can happen before we even realize it because we're so desperately wanting to, to feel accepted or, you know, even when we hit a certain level, we always feel like that we have to keep getting better or changing things about ourselves possibly that just in order to like fit in or, you know, the comparison of, of seeing everybody else who looks like they're living a beautiful, perfect fucking life. And you guys have to stay true to who you are. I think that's so, that's so, so very important. Next up, I have Maddie Scholar. Now, Maddie is a certified firearms instructor. She's a deputy sheriff, MMA practitioner, and a scuba rescue and recovery diver and instructor. Maddie also holds a master's degree in peace and conflict resolution and is the founder of firearms training organization, The Red Letter Project. Here is a clip where Maddie discusses her personal faith, inspires everything she does. Man, it just, it sounds like that you have like such an amazing thing going on, Maddie. I love, I love how you're able to incorporate your faith with your mission and not, not everybody is able to do that. But most importantly, Maddie, not everybody has enough confidence and, and feels comfortable talking about their faith openly and publicly. And it takes a lot, you know, you're opening yourself up to like the good and the bad. And, you know, like you said, like saving some and losing others and you have to be okay with that. And I know that at times it can be a very, very lonely road, but you Mm -hmm. have to remember why you started it. You have to remember why you started it. And when the days get tough, that's going to, that's going to be what keeps you going. Yeah, hundred percent. I always like kind of just tell myself, um, this is actually a quote from Naval Ravikant. If you ever read his book, it's great. But like, uh, the closer you are to me, the better your values have to be. And like a season of purging is not a bad thing. Like if people, if people don't want to follow along with your mission, love them from afar, pray for them. And 
you know, separate peacefully, right. but like, yes. you have to, you have to create that board. distance. Yeah. You have right, to create right. that distance. And this goes with like, whether it's your faith guys or whether it's, you know, you're wanting to transform your life. You're wanting to change your path or your direction. You, there's always going to be the negative people in your life. There's always going to be the, the, the people who don't believe that you should do it or they don't understand but that's okay because it's not their mission and it's not their purpose. You have been called to do something, Maddie, and this is your job and your mission and it's nobody else's. So if they don't believe in you, if they don't, if they don't, if they don't align with that, then that's okay because new people come in and and this is like this, I'm talking about Maddie, but this is, this is any journey that you are on. Whenever, whenever this happens, you feel like that you're losing people, but you're actually opening yourself up to create new relationships Yes. And a stronger bond with whatever path and journey you're on and going towards. Right. And I will tell you too, it's, uh, it's crazy. Cause like when I, when I lost somebody on this journey, it's like, uh, another person has filled that spot. Yeah. Like, and, and it's like a stronger relationship mm-hmm. and you're like, you're supposed to be here. God put you in my life for a reason. And like, that's something you want to take care mm-hmm. of. And it's like the, you start to really value the people who are sticking with you. And like, mm-hmm. I would take three, three core people over 20, you know, not so core people, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that's just part of it. So it, it's a great cycle and it's, um, it's really cool to see. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it doesn't, but like it, it's all part of it. Yeah. What is the legacy that you want to leave behind? Oh gosh. I never, never even thought about that question. That's a good question. Um, I just want like, by the time I leave this earth, I want so like, I want somebody to like, I guess, be glad they met me. Like be glad that I touched their life in a certain way that it, it, at least changed a little bit. It doesn't yeah. have to change a lot, but like, you know, um, I just well, want to, you're, you're I, already impacting lives. So Maddie, thanks. I just want to be a good role model for people. Yeah. Like, um, I want kids to be able to look up to me and be like, Hey, she can, she can do this, which means I can do this. And especially for, for the females, yeah. um, you know, I came from the world of it, like kind of a world of extreme, extreme sports, right? Like mm-hmm. I used to do a lot of skydiving, black water diving, MMA, bull riding rodeo, like stuff like that. And so it's like, I was always one of the few females in those types of sports. And I'm sure you can relate to mm-hmm. that too. Um, yeah, the, I was just thinking, I was like, we need to hang out. Yeah. Right. We need <laughs> you know? to do stuff together. Yeah, um, all of that. I was like, yes, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do that. Yep, <laughs> yep. Exactly. And it's like, um, for me, it was just other, other women would come up to me like, Hey, if you can do it, maybe I can do this too. And that, that's my goal. I guess that, that could count as my legacy is like, I want to show other women that like, it is possible. It doesn't matter if you're 115 pounds, like I am, if you're five, one, if you're tiny, if you're a woman, like doesn't really matter. Like as long as you have the initiative and drive to want to do it, like put yourself out there, go do it. This episode of Reborn is brought to you by BetterHelp, a really cool and convenient platform for online professional therapy. Look, guys, I don't know about I don't know about you guys, but I know in the past I have gotten so stuck just focusing on a problem um, instead of the solution. Right when we're hit with life's obstacles, and I mean, there's been a lot of changes that have happened over the last two years. Right, like. That's just facts. And I have had to do a lot of quote unquote problem solving. Um, Not only just like in my personal life of things changing with kids' schools, the stress of that. Are they in? Are they out? Do we switch schools? Public, private. Um, But also changing the business, like how business operates and and the challenges of, of the problems that come up. Look, I know that it can be tough to train your brain 
to stay in the problem solving mode when you're faced with a challenge in life. But when you learn to learn how to find your own solutions to not just get stuck in like, I'm just solving like a problem, the same problem. It's because you're not changing the solution. You have to, you have to find your own solution to be able to solve that. There's really no better feeling. And with better help, a therapist is actually available to help you to become a better problem solver, making it easier for you to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or how small. And look, guys, I, I want everybody to know here that um, if if you need to unload stress, if you, if you need healing, um, if, if, if this can help with anxiety or depression, talk to somebody, talk to somebody. And these programs like BetterHelp is an online platform that is so convenient for you. Um, if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, it's affordable, and it's all online. You can get matched with a therapist after filling out just a brief survey. survey. And if you don't like the therapist that they matched you with, you can switch at any time. Um, so if you guys want to be better problem solvers and, and really start finding solutions, therapy can help you get there. Visit betterhelp.com slash reborn today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash reborn. All right, back to the show. Next up, I have Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. She is the founder of the Institute of Muscle-Centric Medicine, a healthcare practice that provides solutions for weight loss and longevity by focusing primarily on three principles, nutrition, lifestyle, and exercise. We had a fascinating conversation about her unique approach to health and fitness, and check out her clip here. So the diseases of aging actually all start in your 30s. Oh, gosh. Alzheimer's. Gosh. Cardiovascular disease. So, okay. All right. Because I'm 38. I actually forgot. Congratulations. Yes. I, I, well, I actually forgot. Actually, la all of last year, so my birthday's in February. So leading up to this last February, I actually went a whole year, maybe two years, thinking that I was 38. And so whenever I got there and I had to actually do the math of like, oh, it's my birthday. How old are you? I'm like, you know what? I actually, I think that I'm now I'm 39. And I was like low-key freaking out because, I, you know, I was like, I'm either turning 40 or I'm turning 39. And then it was like whenever I found out I was turning 38, I was like, hot damn. Like I'm, you know, but still like it's, you know, I, that that's crazy. Like my mom, um, you know, she, she's got to be, she was born in 54, Um Dude, she still is like a competitive mountain bike racer. Incredible. I mean, and she she's super the, little. She like is you. the example yeah. of what is possible. Yeah. I mean, she looks great. She, she looks is great. The, Even like that her is, skin I mean, looks that's great. Incredible. And, you know, it, it's really interesting. Um, that is the example. But, you know. So, uh, so how does that start? I think I kind of want to like kind of roll off of this topic a little bit. Because I'm in my 30s too, but what? So what are some things that you have found for for women? You say that it starts in your 30s, which 
It's I don't, all about- don't want to hear that. <laughs> I was hoping it would start like in, you know, in your fifties. Um, so yeah. Can you talk about that yeah. a little bit and, and how all- can people? Yes. You are doing it right. It actually is all about muscle. Mm. Muscle, while we think about it from the fitness perspective, mm-hmm. is looking great, being strong, having power, mm-hmm. being able to generate force. But it's actually an endocrine organ. It's a, it's a what? An endocrine organ. When you, secre- you know, like your thyroid, uh-huh. muscle is a similar type of organ. Ah, okay. And this is not discussed. When you contract your skeletal muscle it secretes proteins, it secretes myokines that affect your mood, that affect your bone, that affect every part of your body. So are you suggesting we should just all walk around flexing all the time? I mean, you could. <laughs> That's a good thing though, right? I mean, if, listen, if you're in your 20s and are, you walk are, in front of a mirror, but yeah, yes. Are you talking about the same thing as like, like flexing, contracting your muscle, or is it training. When, like weight-bearing exercises when you're training? It's a great question. Um, arguably, it would be both, but where the real stimulus comes is resistance training. Mm-hmm. The weight-bearing training, the bands, weight-bearing whatever. Training. Yeah. And if we rethink our current medical system, everything is focused on um, reactionary behaviors. So, oh, well, I'm going to give you this medication. You have high blood pressure. You have Alzheimer's now. We're going to do this. Um, you are struggling with obesity. We're going to do this. But if we can shift the conversation... And we can understand that skeletal muscle is an organ system. It's actually an endocrine organ system. It interfaces with your immune system. It helps regulate inflammation in general. Mm. It does so much more. And actually that, it's the organ of longevity. It is the focal point. It is the pinnacle of health. Above and beyond bodybuilding, above and beyond the activity that you generate, right? So... Right now, we look at and identify muscle with um, strength endpoints. But there's a whole other side to what it does and how it impacts health and wellness for longevity. Mm. And that, at the root, is what muscle-centric medicine is. So you ask me, what do I do? Everything and anything to optimize that tissue, Mm. whether it is hormones whether it is identifying anything with your thyroid, whether it is thinking about ways and looking at markers to optimize health and wellness, or if you're an athlete, being able to deal with those battle rhythms, knowing that you are training for an event. We know that there's going to be cycles. So at the root, that's what muscle-centric medicine is. It's about taking the ordinary and moving it to extraordinary. Mm. Next up, I have Andrea Marcellus. Andrea is a speaker. She's an author, a fitness expert from LA, California. Her book, The Way In, was published in 2019 and features a holistic approach to losing weight and overall wellness. She also developed the And Life app, which helps busy people shape up by zeroing in on their daily habits, meal planning, and exercise routines. Here is a portion of our interview on the Reborn where she talks about how her health philosophy was formatted. Your outlook on 
fitness and training is, is definitely different than the norm. Mm. Um, a lot of people think that going in and crushing yourself five days a week, uh, is, uh, you know, is going to show results. There is a thing is like overtraining. Yeah. And I kind of want to go back to the beginning and, and kind of talk about your methodology a little bit. So whenever you were training, you were hitting the gym hard five days a week. No, <laughs> is that, or was that, it more, right? More than that. Yeah, yeah. So we'll say seven days a week, six days a week. Right. Um, and you said that you, you had gained 25 pounds. Was it muscle or was it like, well, it's of course some muscle, but what was more profound is this layer of flab. I mean, you, know, mm. you can pull it away. You can see it, you know, and that was the really interesting thing. So yeah, what I've discovered in 30 years of doing this. And so, and now I've got, let's see. So it was about 30, 36 when I guinea pigged myself for the first time on this method, right. You know, on mm-hmm, what I've mm-hmm, created. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to be turning 50. So I've been doing this about 14 years with myself and other people. And um, I started writing the book about four years into doing it. So it's a long time of watching a lot of different people and body types do this methodology. And really, it's that so many workouts now are programmed to, you know, when they push for the leaderboard or you're pushing your heart rate up, it's really not how your body works. What you're doing is burning out muscle sugar. And Mm -hmm. that is not, you know, when you talk about energy systems, there needs to be a balance. And what happened is high intensity interval workouts got a lot of attention as being fat burning because of something called EPOC, the post exercise fat burn. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, maybe in a lab, but what you've done is you burn out all your muscle sugar, which makes you feel really funky. So when you go too hard, that is a a sugar fuel system. Mm -hmm. That's a glycogen system. Right. And right. Yeah. So when you, but I I don't, I don't want to like interrupt you, but isn't that what protein is for? And like being able to restore your, your glycogen um, after you do like a hard protein that rebuilds your muscles. Glycogen Mm -hmm. is muscle sugar. That's fast energy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I just mean take, cause I, I do, I take a protein afterwards and I also take a glycogen, um, afterwards. So like, so like the glucose and everything to basically restore that. I just didn't know like what your thoughts were. Um, you know, uh, like what is the difference between going in and, you know, I also think it depends on people's goals. You know, I think that, um, depending, like if you have like a CrossFit athlete, right. That's going to get up and, and want to compete in like six months and stand on the podium, you have to push it hard and you have to supplement very the right different. way in your diet. Uh, very, yeah. very different. And I'm not right. talking about that. That is. Yeah. So that's why I, I want our listeners to understand this is, this is like, we're talking about two different people. We're talking about, this is the athlete who has a goal, <laughs> a really extreme goal, yeah. right? The CrossFit game, standing on a podium, maybe it's an Ironman. Yeah. Um, and then we have, this is like the lifestyle. This is yeah. the lifestyle where you don't have to go in and beat yourself up seven days a week to get results. Yes, it is. And that's what we're talking about. I'm so glad you brought that up. So what I'm talking about is the regular exerciser. This is the regular person who just wants to be fit. They want to look good, but you know, they want to feel good. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
Well, I can also see how it's, it's frustrating because I mean, I see it all the time. People go into the gym. They're like, man, I'm like, I'm going to the gym five days a week and you know, I'm, I'm doing all this cardio and I, I don't understand why I'm not seeing any changes. I don't understand, you know? Um, so yeah, go ahead and, and kind of, I want to just kind of dive into your methodology and, and yeah. your, your well, research. Yeah. So it's really interesting. What you're doing is you're training your body to burn sugar number one. And so you're not, it's kind of like, you're not you're not using fat for fuel and you're trying to get rid of fat, but also you feel really funky after you do that. Like I teach everything. I was a spinning instructor. I was like, I mean, there's nothing I don't do. Right. I'm an advanced level Pilates instructor. I teach absolutely everything except punching and kicking. So I have a very (laughs) wide range of knowledge and all workout forms have their value. They need to be strategized appropriately for your goals. That is hugely important, but also, you know, if you're going to use high intensity intervals, there, it's a period of time in a workout so that you don't overdo it. Because if you blow yourself past a point um, where you've now burned yourself entirely, you've burned yourself out entirely, you're going to feel funny. And that funny feeling is where then we start to graze food all day to try to feel normal again. And you end up eating more calories than you've actually burned in your workout. And this is the vicious cycle. Katie Pavlich is a journalist, a commentator, and a writer who is regularly uh, contributing on the Fox News and other cable news outlets. She is the editor for the townhall.com, a columnist for the Hall, and a member of the White House Correspondents Association. We had an incredible conversation about her career, where her passions for politics came from, and the role of social media in modern discourse. Here's a clip. Have a listen. What is it that makes you so passionate about politics and especially being a conservative? uh, And and I want to get into some of the books that you have written too, and kind of talk about those a little bit, but like, like why, like why so passionate? It seems like you also have a, a niche for, for women, like a voice for a lot of females. Uh, Where does this passion come from? You know, like I said, I think it's something that I grew up with, Mm -hmm. but I genuinely care about the direction of the country. And a lot of people say that they don't like politics or that they're not interested in it. And I always say, well, I can understand not liking it. I don't always like it. It's, mm-hmm. It can be tough and very frustrating and futile in a lot of ways because it feels like things don't change. But if you, you might not care about politics, but care, politics cares about you. Like yeah. everything from your city council, your school board to the president of the United States government implements policies and the people who are elected through politics um, or even people who aren't elected, but they're instilled through this political system has an effect on your life, whether it's how, how difficult it is to open a business depending on where you live, Um, whether it's restricting as we've seen over the last two years of COVID, what you're literally allowed to do when it comes to, your livelihood, whether you can work or not based on decisions people are making about what you put into your body, um, that kind of thing. So I think it's, like I said, a little bit genetic too. Uh, I'm a daughter of the American Revolution. My mom's side of the family came over before the country was founded and fought the Brits off. So I think it's just like part of who I am. But I think that it's really important to pay attention to 
how other people are running your life and what you have a say in when it comes to those types of issues and how much freedom you really have um, to pursue your own liberty and happiness in this country, right? So I think when you don't pay attention to those things, human nature starts taking over. And if you're not holding people accountable, no matter what side of the political aisle they're on, uh, they will implement policies that have a negative effect on your ability to do what you want. So Obviously, social media has a huge impact on a lot of people's lives. It, you've been doing journalism for, for about a decade now. Is that correct? Yep. yep. How have, how have you seen as social media has kind of began to take over, even social media kind of seems to be like the news source for uh, a lot of like the younger generations and where we get a lot of our information. How has that impacted uh, in your thoughts? Like how has that impacted uh, just like everything that's going on in the media and, and the news? So there's two, I think it's, it's both positive and negative. So I'll start with the, the positive. I think it's been an overwhelmingly positive thing because it's allowed everybody to have a voice, right? Anybody for the most part, I mean, we could get into like the whole censorship and cancel culture thing, but generally speaking, everybody now can tweet. Everybody can have an Instagram page. Everybody can be part of the conversation and have an opinion about what's going on. Whereas before it was like, unless you worked for a news outlet or you were like an anchor at one of the top three uh, news networks, they were the ones who were filtering all the information about what mm -hmm. constitutes the news, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now we have all of this information um, from a variety of different voices and sources. So I think that it's more well-rounded in terms of who is represented. Um, and it's been a tool for people who in the past maybe didn't have the ability to speak out, like, for example, during the Iranian revolution or some of the stuff that we're seeing when we see, you know, see overseas or things that we see here, it just gives people a, a better perspective on what's happening. Now, the negative of that is there is, you know, information that is unverified or when things get put out there, that's not true. It's really difficult to kind of take it back and change the narrative. So that can be very dangerous, obviously, if there's like false information that people have put out. But at the same time, it's like who defines what is misinformation or what's a false narrative. And I think that there's been this, you know, this quest for people to try and control what people think just because they disagree with it. Mm -hmm. um, but, and then there's of course the negative side of, of social media not being necessarily real life in a lot of ways, like outside of news for young people. And I do think that it has a huge effect on the way that young people think, especially for young women. Um, so, you know, it's, it's both positive and negative, but from an information perspective, I think it's been overwhelmingly positive and allows really for us to understand a better picture of how people feel about things. so much for listening to the reborn podcast. Um, make sure you leave me a review on the Apple podcast. Tell your, tell your friends about it. If there is a takeaway, a show that you loved, let me know if you have a guest that you would like to hear on the reborn podcast, make sure you send me a DM at reborn pod. If you have a question or a topic of conversation that you would like for me to discuss on the reborn podcast, just shoot me a DM and let me know. And I'd be happy to see about discussing that and getting more guests on the 
show for you guys. Thank you so much for the, for the love and for the support. And I will catch you guys next week on the reborn podcast with ironclad. Bye. Mm-hmm.